and the time to start if you're not living your dream is right now start setting goals and setting out where you set in the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future when all that comes together something happens called fulfillment if you are not experiencing awesomeness in every aspect of your life it's just from internal block or barrier disconnect that you've chosen to take on life is as easy or as hard as we want to make it and I got my hands and my eyeballs and my heart around any information I could around holistic healing. And that led me down a never-ending rabbit hole of which I'm still spelunking into the depths of. I needed something like ayahuasca to really wake me up because I was very rigid and very stuck in my ways and very structured and controlling. And my first ayahuasca ceremony cracked my ego in a billion pieces. And uh, that's when I believe when when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our soul, when we really follow our truth, calling the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment. Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential. And it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, and help you to embody the greatest version of yourself as I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. I am your host, as always, Ronnie Landis. And today we have a very special episode lined up for all of you. I have a guest, a friend, and a colleague, Rama Achala, here. And we are going to dive into some really cool territory, a lot of subjects that we've kind of glossed over in different interviews, um, things that I'm intimately familiar with, but never really brought out to the forefront quite like this. So I'm excited. I feel a lot of energy moving through. I'm getting ready for this interview. I know that there's going to be a lot that comes through. So just to kind of dive a little bit deeper into Rama's history, her experience and her expertise before uh, we dive into the conversation, Rama is the only advanced IAKP combo practitioner in Canada. She's an intuitive healer, certified life coach for heart-centered living. She's an author and speaker. And Rama's been working at and helping run Tony Robbins events for over 15 years, which I found really fascinating. She has also owned an integrative health center with 25 doctors and practitioners who practiced everything from Western medicine to Chinese medicine to alternative medicines, yoga, and numerous energy healing modalities. And she's also had the privilege of learning from great teachers such as Gabor Mate, Brian Weiss, Brendan Bouchard. Tony Robbins, and many others. And there's actually a lot more that I could say about her background, her experience. We connected in synchronistic fashion um, a number of months ago through a mutual friend, and we got on a FaceTime call just to connect. And what an incredible call that was. And one of the things that I found extremely interesting at first was that 
Um, she's actually the daughter of one of the most legendary kind of people um, to me in the health field, Dr. Udo Erasmus, who you might know from Udo's Oils. Um, and I actually had Dr. Udo Erasmus on the, on the show, I don't know, like four, five, six, seven months ago, something like that. And that was a great honor for me because, you know, anyone that's been in the raw food world for over a decade or anything, you know who this individual is. He's one of the great pioneers, especially when it comes to, um, you know, essential or not essential oils specifically, but um, omega-3 fatty acids and bringing that information specifically to the plant-based world and the, the vegan and vegetarian and raw food world. And that was an incredible interview. So when I found this out and uh, we connected, it was just a really great um, honor, but a really great synchronistic fashion that brought us together. And then, you know, as you and me, Rama, were talking, I discovered so much about you that, I mean, I, I couldn't have guessed the experience that you've had, the life journey, um, the, the healing journey that you've had. Um, you know, because at first glance, if you imagine like, oh, your father, your father's Udo Erasmus, you must have been like raised super <laughs> healthy and never had any health challenges and all this, but quite the contrary. And, you know, I think that's really fascinating when you look at the soul journey of, of an individual um, and what we're called to go through, you know, to become a healer, there's an initiation, right? And we have to heal ourselves. And you've had quite a journey go and then coming into you know, becoming a medicine woman, essentially, right, and, and a healer and being very accomplished and successful, both in the, the physical world, but also in the, some might say the non physical world, so to speak, um, you know, working with sacred medicines and psychology and, and many other things that we're going to dive into. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You know, it's been a little back and forth. And so I'm grateful to be here. And, uh, and for that invitation, just to share the message and possibility of freedom and hope for people, maybe diagnosed with, um, you know, either cancer or autoimmune. And, you know, just I think there are a lot of possibilities out there that people don't know of yet. So, so thank you for that. Absolutely. My, well said. And, um, you know, so one of, one of the things I thought was interesting when I was reading your story and then eventually <laughs> connecting with you is your, your bout with multiple sclerosis. Cause that's something that's been on my radar for many years. It's something that I feel very, um, intimate with, not because of my own experience, but because of seeing the degeneration of so many people, whether it's, it's Parkinson's, MS, other neurodegenerative conditions and, and how damaging that is to, not just that person, but the family unit and people that are trying to support that person and not having the answers, not quite knowing what's going on, and then just literally watching people completely fall apart. And so when I saw that in your journey and overcoming that, I, you know, I was really inspired. I would just like to start this off by, you know, you starting with like your superhero origin story, like a little bit about how you, I'd love to actually hear leading up to that story. I'd love to hear a little bit about how you were raised and, and just your interest in this field. And, you know, obviously talking about your healing journey. Yeah. So it was actually quite interesting. Um, you know, how I was raised was, um, you know, my mom and my dad weren't together when I was young and, and I was raised in a home where there was um, there was some alcoholism on, uh, not my mother, but her boyfriend. And, and there was a lot of trauma. There was a lot of trauma growing up a lot, a lot. And, 
Um, I won't get into the stories. I really don't think the stories matter at the end of the day. Um, not those stories at least, cause that's the past. And so, and so, um, growing up with trauma, <clears throat> you know, as most people, most people have, uh, they tend to, um, aim it back towards themselves. So I had a lot of things that I would say to myself that were, were unkind. I didn't think a lot of myself, you know, I was, I was hard on myself. I was very, very hard on myself. And I think that that played a huge role in my diagnosis, my diagnosis, right? (laughs) And, uh, because I, I felt when I looked back at the diagnosis, I, I feel like, well, why would my body not attack itself? I did for many, many years. And so, so anyways, I grew up, I was a street kid. I spent uh, some time living on the streets when I was 15 and I was a total tough ass <laughs> and I was part of gangs and all, did all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, had guns held to my head and, and just really just lived, you know, sold drugs at 15 to survive and did really crazy, crazy stuff. But it, it was all beautiful because it all played such a big role in my journey and my healing and, and uh, in who I've become. Actually, I found that being on the streets was one of the best things to, um, to really own my intuition. <laughs> to really practice my intuition, right? It was really great for that. So, so I'm grateful for all those gifts. Had I not done that, then I may not have um, that gift. It may not play as big of a role as it does now. So, so all great, amazing. At one point, I was very sad at 18. I, I ended up moving back home when I was 16 and very sad and just felt very lonely and started eating and eating and eating. And at 18, took a bottle of pills and I ended up in the hospital and I failed at suicide, (laughs) which saved me the second time around in my mid twenties. The embarrassment, it's so funny, the human psychology, the embarrassment of it was like, if you do that again and you fail, you're going to be even more embarrassed. Don't do it. Don't take the chance of failing at that again. (laughs) So, so, you know, I failed obviously clearly and uh, great lessons in that for me moving forward, but I kept eating and eating and I started partying because I was just pushing it all down. I didn't have the tools on how to cope with life or, you know, everything to me was the outside world. It was everybody else's fault. It was, you know, the pain was all out there. I, I had no tools to cope with any of it um, and to, to make it mean anything else. And so, so I then, um, I, <laughs> I then ended up getting to over 210 pounds. And in my mid twenties, after drinking and partying with different drugs and doing all this stuff, I, you know, I, I looked at my life. I remember very clearly I was in my room and I was living on my own and I was in my bedroom and I was just looking around and just crying. I cried every single day. And I felt like I cried every day of my life. I felt like I never really knew what happiness was. And so I said, okay, well, here we are again. I either need to leave this planet or I need to change. And so 
I decided to change and I decided to get up every, you know, every day and exercise. I had severe anxiety at the time as well, like severe panic attacks in and out of the hospital. They would just give me a bunch of Ativan and just, you know, pharmaceuticals. And then I would just be out for days because I was so drugged up. And, and I just, I couldn't do it anymore. There was something deeper inside of me that said, you know, you just, you can't live this way. This is not what life is meant to be about. And so I changed my diet. I, you know, I ate so many simple carbs and which plays a huge role on the mindset, which most people don't understand. Um, so I threw my rice, pasta, potatoes, bread, cereals, I threw them all out, you know, and I started to juice more and I started to eat healthier and I started cr- climbing a mountain twice a week here until I lost weight. And then I went uh, and joined a gym and then I became a personal trainer. And then I left personal training to go work for Tony. And so it's just been this amazing, beautiful journey. Ended up losing 80 pounds and, um, and then just wanted to help others. You know, what I've found is, is any time that, that I feel I've gone through these huge shifts and these huge challenges, I want to take it and I want to share it with as many people. Otherwise, what's the point, right? <laughs> We're just going to go through all of this to keep it to ourselves. I, I feel like, if we go on these heroes journeys, then we're kind of obligated to support all those other people who are on their heroes journey. Right. So that's, so that's the beginning, you know, it was a lot of challenges, um, a lot of listening to, to what was calling from deep inside to make the shifts. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I'd love to um, have you talk to us a little bit about the, the MS situation, sure. you know, and, and first of all, like maybe share a little bit with our audience, like what exactly is MS if people are not quite familiar or what's the difference between that and Parkinson's, um, if that's even relevant, but just kind of give people a little bit of a, um, an idea of what that is and what your experience was. And I'm really curious, like how you were able to overcome something that traditionally is considered like, you know, completely incurable. Yeah. 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 I'm not, you know, it's, well, let me start with the story. Let me start with the story. I have a lot that I could share. Let me start with the story. So, excuse me. So about 12 years ago, I was at home and I realized that from my sternum to my spine, um, and all like all the way around on my left side that it was numb and it ended up being numb for about four months and I didn't know what it was. And so in Canada, you know, you go, unless it's an emergency, it ended up taking me a year to get in for an MRI. So unless it's an emergency, sometimes the wait is a really long time. And so it took me a year and they called me and they said, do you want to come in for an MRI? And I'm kind of going, it's been a year. <laughs> I'm not numb anymore. What's the point? And I thought, well, maybe I should go in just in case. So I go in and, <clears throat> and I end up going to the university here, which is supposed to be one of the top places uh, for uh, diagnosing or being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So I end up going there and their neurologist is like, we think it's multiple sclerosis. And I said, well, you think, or, you know, I'm kind of like, <laughs> you know, like let's, that's a big difference in my life here. <laughs> so I ended up getting three opinions. Um, and at the university, 
um, they ended up saying to me, listen, this is what we would like to offer you as an option. And they wanted to put me on injections every week for the rest of my life because they said, yes, we believe it's multiple sclerosis. And I said, I said, you know, it, it's kind of like, mm, you know, with my dad, my dad always taught me if I was going to take anything, he always had this big, huge book that had all of the side effects of all these different drugs, which is nothing like what they actually give you at the pharmacy when you go and get it. It's like hundreds more, like hundreds. And then even when you take pharmaceuticals, you start like timesing those side effects by huge leaps. So people also don't understand that. Not one med, but then you take two or you take three or you take four. And it's just horrific, the amount of side effects that people can can experience. Um, Now, don't get me wrong. I totally believe that if I'm having a heart attack, I don't want somebody to sage me. (laughs) There's a role. I believe there's a role in everything. So not trash talking, but preventative is, you know, I believe is always the best. Um, and using it as it's absolutely needed. So, so anyways, so, so I got the diagnosis. They wanted to put me on injections every week uh, for the rest of my life. And I, I found that really challenging. I looked at them and I said, well, hang on a second. I said, you don't know why people are diagnosed because it was relapsing, remitting uh, is what they diagnosed me with. And they go, no. And I said, you don't know why people relapse? And they said, no. And I said, and you have no understanding of the long-term side effects of these drugs. And they said, no. And I said, and you believe this is my best option? I was like, this is the only option you're giving me. You're not giving me anything, like any alternative option. And I remember they gave me these pieces of paper. I mean, it's 12 years ago. I'm sure it's evolved since then. Um, But they gave me these pieces of paper that said, don't take vitamin C, don't take this, don't take that, don't take anything that boosts your immune system. And it felt so counterintuitive to me. I grew up as a vegetarian. My mom raised me that way, you know, eating healthier and, and always on my, on these horse pills of oils and all kinds of stuff growing up. Right. And so I just was like, I don't, I don't know about this. This doesn't feel right. So I actually threw it away. I threw it away along with the DVD that they gave me in just like on telling me exactly what's going to happen. So I just threw it all away. Now at this time I had already started working at the Tony Robbins events. And so it became really, you know, I brought this awareness to me on, okay, what am I going to make this mean? And, and I thought to myself, okay, well, first of all, I'm going to say I was diagnosed. I'm not going to say that I have it. And I'm not going to say that it's mine because I understand that when you do that, you make it part of your identity and it becomes part of your identity. It becomes part of you. And I would say within the first year, I knew there was something inside of me that said, okay, this is here to serve you. This is here to serve you. When it no longer serves you, it will, it will be released and you will no longer carry it. Now there were times that of course, along the journey I went, well, Am I joking? Like, am I just kidding myself here? Is this like, am I just doing this because I don't want to deal with it? And I, I did. I questioned that a few times, not many, but a few. So, so after the diagnosis, I ended up, I ended up finally finding a neurologist that I said, listen, I don't want to do any of this stuff. You know, they, they even said, oh, you're so young. We don't want to see you deaf, blind or paralyzed. And I'm going, oh, oh, right, the fear thing. All right, okay, I remember this, right? <laughs> and so, I, so I, just, I just kind of blew them off. They weren't very happy, of course. They kept trying to pressure me into 
to doing things their way. And I just said, no, thanks. So I found a neurologist and that neurologist just said, just call me if anything happens. I said, okay, great. I could do that. And so I decided to go on this journey of healing. I thought, well, what happens if I do wake up and I'm blind, deaf, or paralyzed? Well, then I want to live my life to the fullest. So let me say yes to life. So I'm just going to keep saying yes. I'm going to see where life takes me. And so eventually, you know, I just kept going into the yes, kept going into the yes, and eventually ended up leading me to working with shaman from Colombia, from Brazil, from different places, from Ecuador, and working with spirit plant medicines. So working with ayahuasca. And then the and then this specific group from Brazil ended up working with ayahuasca and with combo. And so I started working with the combo medicine as well. And uh and went on just this really deep, deep journey, even to the point of, you know, it was just it was so much releasing, releasing in ceremony, but also releasing outside of the ceremony and just going deep into uh trauma and not only my trauma, but historically in my family, that trauma. And some days there were days where I would lie on the ground and sob for four hours, not really know why, but just fully accepting it and just knowing that it was releasing, that whatever needed to be released would be released. And so, you know, again, what I was saying before was that for years I had attacked myself in my own, in my own mind. And so my body then, I believe, followed suit. So with multiple sclerosis, what happens is the immune system, it's what happens is the body attacks the myelin sheath around the nerve endings, which then some people can be fully paralyzed, sometimes paralyzed for months, for a period of time. I mean, there's all kinds of different things that can happen. And so, um, so I believe that my, my body was really just following suit, but what it actually happened to lead to me coming back and being undiagnosed of multiple sclerosis was I was in Costa Rica and I, I was on very, I was on three acres of land, very little human contact. And that's where I did a lot of healing too. I had already sat with ayahuasca, with combo, with a bunch of medicines. I had some medicines I was working with in Costa Rica and just going through this process of shedding, just shedding a lot of things that no longer served me that were maybe stored energetically, again, from my ancestors, um, maybe from the collective, because I am empathic. So so the collective, I tend to take on and do that clearing for them as well, some, right? So, so what happened is I was on a call. I was on a Skype call, and I started losing peripheral vision. And then I started having um, spotted blindness, and then I couldn't lift my right hand. And then the right side of my face went limp. And then it was everything slowed down. Kind of like how they describe a stroke where it's like everything just slows down. And I'm just like, what's going on? And I'm looking around and I'm kind of freaking out because the closest paved road is a mile away. And for me to get to town, I would go, you know, through the cow herd, you know, like, oh, through, a, through a river, you know. So, and I didn't have a car. So I was kind of like, oh no, what's, what's happening? So I ended up calling someone and going to the hospital. I ended up going in and out of the hospital over a period of time, three times. And then finally just went to a neurologist. So they, the hospital couldn't find anything. Had blood tests, all kinds of stuff done. And then just ended up going to a neurologist and the neuro- neurologist was convinced you're having an MS relapse. So I decided to leave paradise and, 
And I really didn't want to leave Costa Rica, but I decided, well, I better go home to where I know the medical system. And I came home. I was exhausted for about four months, just exhausted. And, uh, and the minute that I went into the hospital and I mentioned MS, the diagnosis of MS, they blew me off. They didn't even do any tests. They blew me off and said, well, go, go to your neurologist. And, and then I said, no, I, I need you guys to do some tests. I just, I need to know for sure. I need to, to understand this a little bit better. I don't want to just get blown off because of a label. So they did do some tests, um, which again, nothing came back. So I thought, well, maybe I, maybe there was some kind of bug I caught or something like that. So, so it took some time. I went in for another MRI. It took six months. And then, and then I was going to get the results and they canceled my appointment. And then I was going to get the results again and they canceled my appointment. And then I was going to get the results again. So it took months to get the results. And I realized what day it was that I was going to get the results. And it happened to be, it was, I believe, four years ago this March. It was the spring solstice. There was a full moon. There was a solar eclipse and something happening in the Mayan calendar. And I thought, wow, what an auspicious day to get my results. Interesting. And, and because I had, I had always believed or from quite early on, I had believed that, that it had come to serve me and when it no longer served me, it would be released. I, there was something inside me that said, this is it. This is it. I'm done. And I actually posted on Facebook tomorrow. I'm going to go in and they're going to undiagnose me. And so it is. And that's exactly what happened. And I had a friend come in with me and we just, I mean, I was in shock for weeks and, um, and what a beautiful lesson of just really listening to intuition and listening to where we're guided. And I believe that, that we all have that, we all have that capacity and capability. And, and when we listen to it, magical things can happen. And so I really you know, I think going in and working with what I believe is going in and working with ayahuasca and combo and all these medicines, how supportive they were for me to release trauma, to release things that were stored energetically, but also on a cellular level, right? And also to allow me to, to create new neural pathways as ayahuasca does in the brain. And so, and then having that support of working with people who were well-trained or have been, you know, it's been handed down on their, in their ancestral line um, that really know how to support people in going through these processes. So, so it's been really a magical and beautiful journey. journey. So I'm grateful to, to now, to now say I'm been undiagnosed multiple sclerosis. The neurologist said, Oh, right now would be a really good time for you to go and get life insurance. (laughs) Yeah. And then I had some people on Facebook go, oh, maybe it's Lyme. And I said, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking on another one. No, so. I'm like, why would you do that? Yeah. yeah so but- again, I think hence really important. <clears throat> Excuse me, one of the things that I do with my clients that I find is so important, it's a reframing, right? I think reframing is so important. And it's a reframing in numerous ways. Of course, the I was diagnosed, not that I have or that it's mine. But also I invite people to consider what if it's come to you for a gift? What if it's a gift? What if you're here doing the work for the collective, for your ancestors? What if you've been chosen to help clear that because you have the strength, because you're willing to listen to your intuition, you're willing to do the work? You know, we look at these things and we go, oh, 
you know, like it's people just think it's such a curse or they think it's this or they think it's that. What if it's not? Mm-hmm. What if it's a blessing? What if it's a blessing for to like extract out of you the most amazing wisdom and your intuition and all of your gifts that you were born with that you get to share with the world and support other people on their healing journey. You know, what if, what if it brings you to your purpose? Right. Which is, which is ultimately the, you know, the concluding point of any of these, these experiences. And, and after interviewing so many people and just mapping out the, um, in retrospective fashion of my own life experience and all the crazy, ridiculous, seemingly nonsensical or non-relevant, right. you know, crises that have happened in my world. The best thing I've been able to, to ascertain from all of it is that all of it is part of an awakening. And sometimes we need a wake up call in order to wake up. Right. Yeah. And, um, I, I love, there's so many different things that you said that I wanted to like, expand upon there's like three or four different timelines that we could easily go on i want to definitely create the space though to dive into the subject of combo even hape and in some of these other incredible medicines sure. that i that i really appreciate um but i do want to i do want to kind of just touch on this this thing that you brought up around you know one's psychology and their level of ownership over a particular condition one of the things i've seen time and time again with working with people from various forms of cancer to autoimmune conditions to diabetes to you know etc cetera, etc cetera, um they all have one interesting component to them which is there's a there's a psycho emotional psycho spiritual connection in terms where somebody that's able to to disassociate or dis maybe not disown but disassociate from the actual condition itself and become like the observer of it and like you said to start in in being um, investigating being um, <laughs> inquiring into the origins inquiring into what is the blessing what is the gift what is the the meaning or the purpose behind this. Instead of, you know, we see this with cancer patients, right? Like I'm a cancer survivor. I'm a cancer patient. I'm an alcoholic. I'm the, right. It's like you're dawning. The fight the, against the fight against the fight against. This, yeah. There's this internal tension, right? Between mm-hmm. like the, the, the authentic self, the soul, and then this like personality that's been kind of like infected or influenced by this idea of like, okay, I'm this, right. Or, you know, I'm alcoholic, cancer survivor, whatever. And then, so there's like this dynamic tension there and somebody has a trouble reconciling it until they've actually come to the place where they've, they've actually chosen to be healed. Yeah. Right. And I I just want to kind of like touch on that for just a moment, maybe expand on it just a little bit, because I think that that's like, that really is the, in my experience, that really is the moment of healing, right? When you, you can do all the therapies and, and everything, and it's essential, right? The, the diet and the, the, the food and the water and certain yeah. therapies, how you live your life, because all of that influences your identity. When you change your behavior and you start moving mm-hmm. in a different timeline, that changes how you feel about yourself. It changes the reference point, but it's not until somebody actually chooses to be healed. And then that, that moment of that moment of whatever healing can occur like in your story i thought that was really interesting what you just said was like tomorrow i'm gonna get they're gonna show, tell me that i'm you know basically undiagnosed and uh that's, that's a powerful bout of courage to even get to a place where you can even um 
what's the word I'm looking for? You can, you can claim that that's the word I'm looking for. You can claim that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is really powerful. I've actually heard of other people too being undiagnosed or whatever you want to call it. I mean, they may blow it off with something else or whatever it is. Right. And, and, uh, um, but you know, so I, I work with a lot of, a lot of different people diagnosed post-traumatic diagnosed cancer, different autoimmune diseases, um, you know, um, HIV, just so many different, so many different, um, diagnoses coming in. And I noticed the difference, you know, the, that, that psychology, the role that that psychology and that owning or not owning of that label, um, plays in it because, I've seen people that come in and play and they're, they're very much living in a victim mentality and it's not their fault. And somebody did this to them and they have such a challenge. It's such a rough ride for them. It's, it really is. And I see them struggling and it's, you know, and it's, I always believe, I believe that we only suffer when we push against mm-hmm. The suffering only happens then. But if we can make peace, I mean, working with any of these medicines, just like is in life, I believe that it teaches us to surrender and to let go. And I believe, okay, great. I was diagnosed with that. And not just giving up on it and going, okay, that's just my ride and that's what I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life. But actually going, like you said, going deeper into it. Okay, what's this going to mean to me? What, what is it I'm going to change in my life? It's going to create more freedom around this or healing around this. There, there are really empowering questions that people can ask. I've watched people diagnosed with cancer and the meaning that they give that word. I've seen people diagnosed with cancer and because the meaning to them is that that's the end. They usually have a year or a couple of years. It's not very long. And then they transition. Yeah. I've seen people go, oh yeah, I know lots of people that have, you know, that were diagnosed with cancer and they, um, and, and they lived and they were fine. And so uh, same with me, <laughs> you know, like it's, what are you making it mean? Yeah. Right. And, and it's just, it's amazing to watch it watch all these people come in with all these different diagnoses and seeing their, where their brain is at, what their psychology is, but also what they're doing in for themselves in their life this is also about self-love self-acceptance you know we've become a society too where emotions are not acceptable where everything has to be pushed down and pushed away and you have to go to work and you have to pretend like you don't have emotions and that sometimes shit hits the fan in life i mean that's the way it is right and so the full acceptance of all parts of ourselves plays a huge role in it as well is are we allowing ourselves to feel in life? Because again, then it just gets pushed down and, and I believe then it gets stuck in the nervous system and on a cellular level and then it manifests as things, Yeah. right? And, yeah. and maybe you could even say, I mean, to describe it, just to give it a label of description for an understanding is maybe it's a lower vibrational thoughts. Like ayahuasca taught me that really well. I remember I was, I was in a ceremony and I remember they get you up to dance. And I'm thinking, I don't want to dance. I just want to sit here. I don't want to be a part of this. They go, no, no, you got to come dance. And every time that I would push against that, I would need to perch. Mm. And then I would get up and then I would finally dance. And then I would look around and I might like think something funny of how someone was dancing. And then I'd need to perch. 
And then I would be resistant. I'd be like, oh, I just want to sit down again and I need to purge. And so grandmother ayahuasca taught me really fast my thoughts and how my thoughts, anything that's of a lower vibration, that's of a judgment, that's of a push against will create this kind of suffering. So she downloaded that really loudly into my nervous system. And so again, any time that we push against things that we're not accepting of them, whether it's ourselves or emotions, whatever's going on in life, we suffer until we surrender into it and go, okay, I'm going to trust. Because as Tony Robbins says, everything happens for us. It's not to us, it's for us. And so if we take that on, we're going to ask ourselves better questions when, when challenges come into our life instead of, why is this always happening to me? It's like, no, why is this happening for me? Right? Mm-hmm. How, how am I going to learn and grow from this? How am I going to be, become a better me? How am I going to make better decisions? Or how am I going to love life even more during all of it? Mm-hmm. Right? It's, a, it's such a powerful reframe. It, it shifts all the energetic dynamics that are occurring, not just in the physical system, but, but you know, in the, the non-physical system of, of whatever, whether it's your mind or that's your, the soul impulses that are attempting to communicate through the body. But, you know, we've tranquilized our nervous system through all manner of whatever it's like coffee or it's alcohol or it's marijuana or it's, you know, pornography or whatever the case is. It's like, these are all tranquilizing mechanisms to adapt to an insane society and one that's run on the go, go, go hypersympathetic roller coaster of stress responses. And, uh, you know, that, that's obviously such a, such a deep down subject, one that, that I'm constantly tangentialing on. Um, but but it, it, it really is just such a powerful thing when you can, it's really what you're talking about to me is reclaiming your sovereignty, right? It's like, I'm not going to be a victim to circumstances. I'm not going to be a victim to other people's opinions. I'm not going to be a victim to a temporary diagnosis. I'm going to take sovereign, sovereignty of my heart, my mind, my soul, my being, my body, and I'm going to claim that regardless of what the outside illusion appears to be or what it's trying to convince me of, I'm actually going to tap deeper into myself and claim, you know, the destiny that I, that I, that I choose for myself. And I think that's why it takes courage, right? Because we have to, we have to override the program software response that is essentially attempting to keep us in this response pattern of victimhood. Mm -hmm. I'm a victim to circumstances. I'm a victim to the fear propagation of the medical industry or whatever, right? right? Whatever, whatever it is. Right. And so I really, I really appreciate that. And I really, I think that's just such a powerful thing for people to understand that that simple reframe is not some little, some little, um, uh, trivial thing. It's not trivial to change your mind, to just to practice and rehearse and reinforce that one thing of, instead of this is happening to me, what, you know, why is this happening for me? Because I think that question opens up a new timeline for somebody. It opens up a new possibility. Um, and and I so go back to the freedom, opens freedom. up freedom for people. Right. Right. It's so huge, right. People yeah. are feeling free as they did before. Right. Right. And so, so that opens up. So with that said, that opens up the next, the next, uh, part of our conversation, which I want to dive into is, is the shamanism piece of it and the work that you're doing. I want to talk about 
I want to I want to kind of put, put a spotlight on combo because that's not something that we've talked about on the show for whatever reason. And uh, I first became aware of this this medicine through our mutual friend David Wolf, who um, one day I was at one of his. Um, one of his mastermind events, and uh, he starts going on about this this frog medicine. I, I I think I've heard of it, but didn't really dive into it. And he did a whole lecture on it, and then I was like, "Whoa, okay." And then I, I synchronistically, weeks or months later, get a call from one of our other mutual friends to go do combo with him and a group of people in Topanga. And uh, what an incredible experience that was! And that was also my first introduction into Hoppe. Is they is the combo they kept doing the combo on me like eleven dots or something and I I got myself as I've been a martial artist all myself my life so I'm watching everybody drop down and like purging and I'm like oh man okay I better get into like a straight warrior stoic state and yeah. so they're doing it and um, they're just like um, what's going on I'm like yeah I'm not really feeling it and then finally he, they blow up this this thing called hoppe up my nose and it was like. <laughs> <laughs> it was like took me into another dimension for 20 minutes but the effect that it had on me was very profound and then from there I got into like understanding and then I eventually had my my first ayahuasca experience shortly after that and then went down into realize I actually realized recently I I claimed it I accepted that there is a shamanistic archetype within me as um as as a nutritionist as a as someone that's very inclined towards the medicine path and so I actually, it's great that I bring this up because I recently just, I recently just integrated or I'm integrating that archetype of the shaman, however that chooses to play through me. So anyways, with all that said, let's talk about combo and, uh, you know, what, first of all, what is it and, um, how do you, you know, how do you use it or how is it, how is it traditionally used, I guess, in, in, um, in the, you know, in the healing process and anything else you want to share about it? Yeah. So, okay. So combo is a secretion from a giant tree frog in South America. Um, it's called, its technical name is Philomedusa bicolor. Um, and the, what the, the, I don't know what you would, maybe it's like the folk, you know, folklore. Anyways, the, you know, what they think where it came from was, they said that there was this man and he was part of a tribe and uh, the tribe was really sick and they couldn't find anything to help heal the tribe. And so he drank ayahuasca and ayahuasca took him into the forest and brought him to combo to the frog and showed him what to do with it. And then he went back and healed the tribe with it. So combo has been used for thousands of years in the Amazon. And uh, so it's the secretion from the giant tree frog. And what we do is, we actually burn into the second, third layer of the skin, um, which is really not a big deal. People go, oh, and it's like, it hurts less than getting a needle. <laughs> and uh, it's just a different way. And it's just to open up to get to the lymphatic system. And then you, we put the medicine onto those little dots that are called gateways. And the medicine gets brought in through the lymphatic system. And what it typically does is it clears out the lymphatic system, rejuvenates the organs, and reboots the immune system. Um, and what they say is it shoots the blood cell count high and supports in many, many different ways. Now, we don't have enough research behind it at this point. We're hoping that that's going to unfold more and more as it does, just like with ayahuasca and all these other beautiful medicines um, that, that have come to the Western world. Um, and so people typically, what they experience is their body will heat up, the heart rate will go up, some people sweat, 
Um, people will purge. Uh, sometimes they yawn. Sometimes they feel tingles throughout their body, uh, which is really just a lot of energy. Um, you know, it's, I don't necessarily like to get into all of the experiences because I think that doesn't necessarily uh, benefit anyone. It's more like if people feel called just to come to the medicine. Mm-hmm. And so um, otherwise people get in their heads about it a little much. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then they come and it's totally different than what they thought it was. So, um, but it's a beautiful experience. It's the intense part is about 20 to 40 minutes long. And people typically fast for 12 hours, drive fast for 12 hours prior to drink a bunch of water right before. Um, and a lot of experiences, um, or a lot of my clients, what they share their experience has been, is they, they typically feel much more grounded and much more clear and much more calm and relaxed. And with the spirit of the frog is typically what comes is the ease and the flow. So like water that goes down a river, when it comes up against anything, it, it goes over, around, or through. And so this, this medicine, um, I found, creates a lot of ease and flow in people's lives. It's also considered the great revealer. So mm-hmm. it will bring things to the surface. Uh, some people have cellular memories that come up, or sometimes people get downloads, or they get information that comes through during. Um, sometimes it is just a very physical experience. It's going to be different for, for everybody, and every time is different. And... Um, we've just seen really great results in many different areas of just, you know, clients saying, you know, post-traumatic from Bosnian war or they're an emergency worker or, you know, and it just, and it actually brings, brings their symptoms way, way down or has them be released. So things like not being able to sleep or depression or anxiety or all of these things. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I, I have this belief, again, we'll kind of go back to the whole lower vibrational stuff. So, you know, the thoughts were lower vibration. I also believe that um, trauma, when we experience trauma, it's of a lower vibration and can get stored in the body. I also believe that about food. Mm-hmm. And that's why I believe, you know, when people are diagnosed, that when they start eating clean again and they're eating their greens or juicing or whatever, that that's also a higher vibration. I think anything that comes from the land is a higher vibration, right? A lot of the foods that we eat now are not, they're processed. So we don't have that going into our body. Just like some people say it's alkaline water or fresh water. You know, if you get water from the streams, higher vibration, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's still alive. Things are still alive. Um, so so I believe that these medicines really, you know, when people are purging, it's really getting well. It's purging um, energetically. It's purging physically. Um, and I believe that it purges a lot of the lower vibrational things out of the body um, and helps release them. Um, and I found that, um, that with combo, uh, again, the clarity that people have on kind of their direction in life and the choices to make, um, it, it's uh, it's really quite beautiful and quite magical to watch. So that's combo. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to know about combo? No, I mean <laughs> I think you said it really well. And and you know just like with any of these things, people have to a they have to have their own unique experience. You can't compare experiences or someone else is telling you about their experience. Um, and I feel like there is definitely like a call 
to action that somebody has to feel, whether it's through a synchronicity, like listening to this interview, and then that sparks a curiosity. Maybe they go on your website, they look a little bit deeper, kind of there's a string of events that naturally leads somebody to that, um, or whatever other means. Um, so I think, I think that's a beautiful kind of like introduction into it. I do want to um, bring up the topic of hape. I have my little creepe here. And uh, this has been something. I get ayahuasca on there too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ayahuasca one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And um, you know, it just just to bring that up, like we don't have to do a long thing into it, but just to bring that to people's awareness, it's been a really it's interesting with the hape thing. I've noticed, like culturally, like I don't know when it happened in my awareness, but over the last year and a half or two years, I started seeing it everywhere. Like all my friends around. Um, I found out they were all doing hape. I would people I would never guess, and then they come over like, "Do you want to do a hape ceremony?" I'm like, "What? <laughs> like, what's going on?" Yeah. So you know, I found um, I found this to be very helpful, especially in times of interdimensional stress, if you will, where you know might be dealing with certain energies or going through a transformative experience and going through some turbulence, internal turbulence. Um, and it's been very helpful for, for grounding and just kind of like presencing myself back in my body, even to move emotion, to shuttle energy that's moving through the body. I think that maybe that's why it's used traditionally in medicine ceremonies. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually, um, I actually facilitate Hape and Sananga circles as well. And so, um, it's really quite magical and beautiful. Um, what I always share with people when they come is I say, this is just going to remind you of your truth because we're in the world. I'm in the city, right? So people come and we're so, so chaotic in the city at times and we have so much external stimulation. And so when people come, I say, this is just an invitation to come back to your true nature, to ground you in, to open your heart and, and to just, sometimes we need that contrast. I think we forget, right? Because we are running around just in this, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what to call it. It's just crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the electronics and all the lights and all the, you know, and I don't know what I was talking to somebody about cell phones the other day. I said, they said it was supposed to make our life easier. Now we're just busy for longer. <laughs> like, and distracted for longer. Right. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, so it just reminds us of that again, just such a deep grounding and rooting into Pachamama, to nature, to Mother Earth, to our intuition, to our hearts, to quiet the mind so that so that we can listen to our to our inner call, our higher self, our intuition, to God, to the universe, whatever you call that, and just to to bring us back home. You know, it's it's home. That's really our our, our true nature. And so um, I really, I really love hape for that, and I also use nunu. There are different, there are many, many different kinds of hape or rape. They call it, they call it different things. And um, what it is is it is actually uh, the base is jungle tobacco, mapacho, and then there'll be many different things that are mixed in with it. Ash from different things. Sometimes it's ash from a tree called the tsunu tree, which is a sacred tree in Brazil, or ash from plants that are connected to like the cacao, which is like nunu. So it's this very light and fluffy and kind of, you know, just, um, it's kind of like the, the leaf blowing on an oak tree. And then another one I have is from the Yawanawa tribe and it's like mm-hmm. solid, like foundation of the oak tree, you know? That's, and that's the one I use most of the time. 
Yeah, that's pretty powerful. They're pretty powerful. The one I get um, is directly from the Yawanawa tribe and they pray with it. They mm-hmm. pray with it and they drink ayahuasca with it and they, you know, and all these intentions and it's really beautiful to have that medicine. You can feel the difference in the energy. Um, and one thing that I just, I want to offer too around all of these medicines is people might listen to us, have a conversation about it and then try and get it off of the internet. And my invitation to you or try and do it themselves is my invitation to you is this is all about building a relationship mm-hmm. and having a teacher, having somebody you can go to and work with these medicines to build that relationship that can teach you what that relationship is meant to be like. Cause I see a lot of people running around with hape and they're doing it all day, numerous times a day. And it is just, then it becomes just another addiction. Mm. Whereas it's not meant for that. What I was taught um, in the Yawanawa tribe is you don't use it more than three times a week. And you use it for meditation. You use it to, to support you in that clarity. There are times where I go and it's many, many months that I don't have any hape. You know, it's when I feel called. It's, it's again, it's not this thing that we become reliant on. It's this sacred medicine that that support us in our opening, in our healing, in our grounding, in our remembering our true nature. But it's not meant to get away like all the other things are meant mm-hmm. for, you know, like that's what we use them for is to get away from it. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of it can kind of become like when people get off cigarettes and then they get on American spirits. Like I've seen that. I mean I, I did I I you know in transparency many, many years ago I did that at some point um in the raw food journey just behind closed doors just because I was dealing with a, a lot of stress. And at that time I didn't, I didn't know how to, I didn't have the emotional processing and kind of the, the spiritual um, tools that I do now, but it's kind of a similar thing, right? It can easily become like your new, I mean, it's great to get people off the smoking thing, which is, which is, is it's like, it's kind of like, it can be helpful in that sense. But I think what you're saying is like so fundamentally important because I know how, you know, it, it can just become like another way to manage stress instead of actually dealing with the issue. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And even, even with cigarettes, when people come and, you know, I do three day retreats all over North America with these medicines. And when they come, if they smoke, I will offer mapacho to them and, and offer what I was taught in how to honor it because, because tobacco is a master teacher, yeah. a master plant, a master teacher, and it has a lot to show us. And if we use it ceremonially, there becomes a sacredness and this honoring of it rather than just using it unconsciously all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, so it's such a beautiful cleanser and grounder. And we use it throughout the ceremony all the time, mm-hmm. beforehand, after, all, during, all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff, right? So, so, and definitely, you know, like anything else, there's a black market, so you never know what you're getting. And I've heard some crazy stories of what people have got online with hape and the infections they get, or sananga, and finding out that it's got vinegar in it, that it's actually not sananga. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. I've heard all kinds of stuff. And then people going and thinking that they can just get combo sticks without any training and administer to themselves. But it can be dangerous. Mm. It can white out. If you white out, you can purge on yourself. You can, you know, like there's just, I don't recommend it. I know that people want to do it that way, but it's so important for people's safety. You know, if we really want to keep these medicines around right now, combo is not illegal anywhere in the world. And if we want to keep this medicine safe, we want to keep people safe, you know, then, then to sit with somebody again, that has, has the training, but also can teach people the honoring of the medicines. 
Mm. You know, we seem to think that we're going to control it and we're going to do it all ourselves. That's not where, where we become empowered. We become empowered by surrendering. Mm. And even for me, I can self-administer, but I really like to have somebody else holding that space for me. I know that I, I can fully just let go. Mm. I don't have to think about anything. I don't have to think about where the water is or the, like, I, I like to go to some of my teachers and have them administer it to me. Right. And then also listening to the call, people are getting, you know, they're, they're going into these medicines and even with ayahuasca and they're doing it all over and over and over so close together with no integration. All of these medicines require integration. You know, it's, you can't just, otherwise you're just keep doing it over and over again. You're not actually pulling out and extracting or allowing the space and the time for the medicine to do the work, you know, to allow it to whatever has to come to the surface to, to sit with it, to ponder it, to, to be present with it, to ask it for support. But if we keep jumping from, from one to the next, and I love the medicines, you know, ayahuasca, San Pedro, peyote, you know, iboga, ibogaine, you know, all of these medicines are so powerful for us right now. But if we're not using them in the way that they're meant to be, if we're not honoring them in the way that they're meant to be honored, it becomes just another crutch. Mm. Many people flow out, float out into the ethers. And I'm like, come back, come back down. Let's get you back yeah. here. You know, and grandmother ayahuasca was really beautiful. You know, I had that experience too. I went out into the ethers and I said, grandmother, every time I sat, I was like, please take me out to the ethers. I just, I wanted to go. Cause it was like, Oh, it felt so good. It was so much love. It's like where we came from. It was blissful. And she said, Rama, that's where you come from. That's where you're going to go back to. You are not meant to live that while you are here. We remind you so you remember the truth and you can bring some of that back here with you. Mm. To have this experience, we're here to have a human experience, not to stay out in the ethers. And I see many people get lost there. Mm. And sometimes they never come back. And so remembering, you know, beyond also choosing somebody that's really qualified that has a lot of experience and training is the integration work, which is what I do a lot of now. So I do a lot of integration coaching with people and we actually, I now I've put, put in um, moving forward one-on-ones that we're going to be doing work prior to, to dive in, to set intentions, but also to look at where the blocks and the patterns are. And then on the other side, doing the integration work so we can extract as much out of it. It's, these are not comfortable experiences. Why would we not want to pull out as much as possible? Right? Yeah. As much as yeah. we can and, and propel our learning, our growing, our healing, rather than trying to flounder through it. I see many people come back from the jungle and just, whew, tough, tough mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. Even for me, I had one point where it was eight to ten months for me to integrate, I thought it was crazy numerous times. And had I not had friends that had been down in the jungle, worked with the medicine a lot too, that I would have been like, that's it. I'm checking myself in. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Like really, you know, this, this isn't just a good idea. <laughs> you know? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, such, such valuable points and perspectives, many of which I, I often <clears throat> elaborate on when people are asking me on podcasts or whatever about, my perspectives or experience with these things. And it's always really the same. It's like, there's no back door to God. So, you know, you got to really get clear on that first. Yeah. I think there's so many people 
are trying to connect back to that heavenly father archetype. You know, for me, I didn't have a father in my life. So I had to really actually look beyond the veil and like, what was actually that void all about? Was it a physical father? Was it a paternal father? Was it actually this, this, this kind of rebellion against a heavenly father is I felt abandoned. I kind of just got drop shipped in this dimension. I was like, what the F? Like, what am I doing here? Like, I didn't even, you abandoned me. So I'd actually deal with that core wound. Um, and I think that's a huge, that's a huge, just a, a huge thing that people are dealing with. Um, especially people that we're in our kind of collective quote unquote conscious communities. Um, you know, that, that's one of those major, the major kind of drivers, I guess, for trying to escape the physical world, because maybe we can't deal with, maybe some people are more empathetic. They're having psychic abilities awakening. They don't know how to harness that or integrate it. So they're like, okay, then I'm, I need to get out of this. I need to go over here and, and, you know, fair enough, but no, all that does is bring it to the surface even more, right? right? That's the thing. People are not realizing that. They think, oh, I'm going to go and it's going to fix me. It's like, no, it's actually just going to bring it all to the surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been hiding. It's going to go into all the deepest, darkest parts of ourselves and bring it to the surface so it can be released. The only way for things to shift, to transform, is it has to come to the light. And you got to be ready for that, right? Like you may yeah. not be, you might not be psychologically, emotionally, and physically ready right now for or that. Have the support. Or have the support because like this is work, like you got to go do work and it's, and it's a beautiful experience and you got to be prepared. Totally. It is a beautiful experience and it can be some of the most challenging experiences of your life. It yeah. can send people into dark night of the soul. For the healing process. And sometimes that will go for a year or a couple of years or longer. Mm. The dark night of the soul is beautiful. And if you don't know you're in a dark night of the soul, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you question everything. And even working with some of these medicines, you start questioning. It breaks down your paradigms. It breaks down your belief systems. It breaks down all of your rules. Nothing looks the same. You don't understand what's going on anymore. It's like you come back into the world you've been living in and nothing makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then when people's identity is linked to that world, it creates all kinds of things can create depression and anxiety and like all of these things that can happen. So, you know, my invitation is again is never just walk in lightly and always have a great support system, not just friends that you think you can talk to because I, I love my friends, but if I didn't have a lot of friends who were coaches like I was when I was younger. They gave horrific advice based on their life experience, not based on what is going to be most helpful, mm. right? And so having somebody that's a professional that knows what they're doing that can walk you through that experience and help you extract and help you remember that you're not crazy. I had this experience where <laughs> numerous times of ayahuasca, I was in a hotel and I'm looking around and I go, Okay, I see that everything's solid, but I feel like I can walk through everything. And I thought I was losing it. And had I not had somebody, again, a friend who had been down and who had been training with ayahuasca, and I could call and be like, okay, am I losing it here? What's going on? And she's like, no, Rama, it's just part of it. It's okay. It's just, you know, you're entering different realms and different possibilities and you're seeing new things. And it's, it's totally part of the process. And I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. I'm good. And then I went about my day, but I would have, you know, I, I, I came close a few times to check myself in. And it also had me question my purpose. I thought I was so expansive and I, I thought, oh my God, I'm so expansive. How am I going to 
take all of that and put it into this little body and walk around the planet and be like, hi, my name's Ramon. This is what I do for a living. It was just like, it was so, I was so out of touch with everything. And, and, uh, and so even that I'm like, why am I here? Why am I here? And I did that for like nine, 10 months. Why am I even here? What am I even doing? What's my life purpose? I, I I've just lost everything. Mm. And so, so a lot of people, especially when you're working with the medicine numerous times, go through these processes. So, you know, my invitation always is to make sure that you have that professional support in place and that you give space for integration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Absolutely. Beautiful points. Great, great, um, great point right there to, to conclude on. Um, we have so much that we could, there's so much more that we could dive into. We've already dove into so much as it is. And um, speaking of support, I think by people possibly reaching out to you or reaching or checking out your website and the work that you've been doing, all the information that you've put out, that would be a great first, second or third step for people that are on any healing journey to really gain more depth, more, more awareness and perspective and to, uh, you know, have that support system if they so choose. So um, I'd love to, you know, get your website for everyone and also any other resources or ways that people can reach out to you. Yeah, absolutely. So our website is heart of combo, K A M B O.com. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram under heart of combo. Um, we have a like page um, and just reach out. I mean, anytime, send us a message on Facebook or send us a message, you know, an email. Um, and uh, if you have any questions, we'll do our best to, to share with you if we're not in the local area. I'm in Vancouver in Canada. But again, we travel all over North America. So um, if I'm not in the area, you know, maybe I can offer somebody that has training for you to be able to go and see. And, um, and also, if you're on this journey, a lot of really great things to read. Um, there is a book around, uh, about Cambo, but it's called Sapo. So Sapo and Cambo, same thing. One is just Spanish and one is Portuguese. Mm. Um, and it's called Sapo in My Soul. Uh, Peter Gorman, he wrote that book. It's a really great book. Um, there's more information on our website too. We have some, uh, universities that have done some studies with combo and that information is also on our website for people to look at. Um, and people, if you, if we want to learn more about the body and trauma and how that, um, how that can manifest things in, in the body, uh, Gabor Mate, his books are really great. When the body says no, is a really great one. Him and I sat down and had conversations around that and you know he knows about about my story and uh and just really how we believe that it's trauma stored in the body and and that we can we can heal it when we release that trauma and go through those healing those opening experiences shifting and allowing those things to transform so so he's another really great one i'm sure there's a whole bunch i'm gonna put some stuff on my website soon hopefully um uh, that are resources of books and different things for people to watch. And even Tony Robbins, just to even get on YouTube and watch some of his stuff. He's got so much stuff. Just understand our minds a little bit better and how we mm. work. I believe had it not been for me going to the Tony events um, and understanding more about my own human psychology, I think that that made a huge difference in how, how I perceived everything once I was diagnosed. And so empowering ourselves in that way to learn more about how we think and, and even the things that we continually repeat in our own mind to ourselves um, 
is really going to be powerful on people's healing journeys. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Beautiful. 100%. It's been an honor and pleasure to have you here and to have this conversation. Really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and for taking the time. And I, I look forward to sure there'll be many more things that we'll do together in the future. Yeah. I look forward to it for sure. And thanks everyone else for tuning in. As always, definitely check out those resources, check out the work. If you haven't dove into the Tony Robbins universe, it's essential. It's essential. It's essential material on rewiring and just understanding how the mind works, creating more meaning in your life, more purpose. And then Gabor Mate's work has been, I'm still diving deeper into it. Just ordered one of his books and, um, really appreciate his work and, uh, appreciate you Rama. Oh, thank you so much. Have an amazing day. Yep. We're going to have the best day ever. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this fascinating episode of the Holistic Health and Human Potential show. Before you head off, I want to invite you to go to my website for further podcast episodes and tons of free content on holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. Please go to www.ronnylandis.net to find out how to take your health and your life to the next level. And also, I want to encourage you to leave a five-star review for this podcast on our iTunes page, which will help me in my mission to get these inspiring messages to millions of people throughout the world. I thank you so much for your support, and I look forward to continuing to provide amazing conversations and content on holistic health and human potential.